Hey everyone, welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort and I'm joined by Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable. How are you doing today, Christina? I'm good. I'm good. I am uh, freaking out a little bit because I have a big presentation that I'm giving on Monday and I'm not done with my slides. So I'm oh. trying to finish those trying to finish those um, early. Usually when I do presentations, I'm someone I'm like the person who, you know, like up until the last minute, I'm still kind of tweaking things around. But yeah. with this particular conference, this is not a possibility. Like they are mad that I'm not able to do a run through earlier on Sat on Sunday, but I'm not getting in until like 7 p.m. in Vegas on Sunday they're like well it would have been nicer if we could have done like a full run through in the da 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 but ah. um uh, and, and they're wanting all sorts of tech they have all sorts of technical questions for me and the people going after me have a bunch of technical things going so they're like you can't go over your allotted time at Mount and I'm like that's cool don't worry but oh my gosh um no it, it's gonna be a big deal it's gonna be for a lot of people um but uh so I have to finish my slides but I'm excited otherwise I'm good so when do you <laughs> fly out then I fly out on Sunday and um, my presentation's on Monday and then I come back um, oh, wow. I'm, I come back mo I come back late on Wednesday so it's CinemaCon which is a big um, it, it's like the biggest uh, it's annual trade show for um, uh, movie theater chains um, nationally and internationally and uh, so I'll be talking about why they need to embrace social media or else you know <laughs> risk losing an entire generation of moviegoers by not being where the moviegoers are going to be. Um, the the exciting part for me, and I did not realize this until this week, was that um, uh, the the seminal film Pitch Perfect its sequel Pitch Perfect Two will be making mm -hmm. its uh, uh, I guess like industry premiere at CinemaCon on Monday, <gasps> which means I get to see it. Oh. You get to see oh. Pitch Perfect Two before everyone. Oh. Are you kidding, yes. me, Christina? Oh my god! I get to see Pitch Perfect Two. It's Aka awesome, and I get to be like on the red carpet. I'm super excited. Like, did I'm you say so Aka excited. Awesome? I said Aka awesome. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I said Aka awesome. It, it's it's a freaking Aka miracle. Um, it it, it no, my, my my heart is. I can't even, you guys, because I'm such a huge Pitch Perfect fan. I'm such a huge <laughs> oh, acapella nerd in general. It's amazing. Now, did you see the video of, um, oh gosh, what's the, the woman who stars in Pitch Perfect? I totally forgot her name. Uh, Anna, Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Anna Kendrick, yeah. Did you see the video that she did with FX, the K-pop group? No. Yes. It is so yes. fun. I it's love so that good. video so much. Oh my God, they're so, so good. good. Yeah. No, FX, she's amazing. She's amazing. K-pop groups. But yeah, Anna Kendrick is amazing. I think just, she's so she's so great. Just to go back in time with that story you were just telling a little bit, Christina. What I think is so yes. amazing is when you were starting that story, it is the exact like you could have taken that exact same monologue and like fifteen year old Christina Warren could have been like telling that exact same story in high <laughs> yes. school. Oh, I've got to do this presentation on Friday. I just. Yeah, I just don't even want to do it. I've still got some stuff to do. And it's like, when you're 15, you think all that stuff is going to be over. And then, boom, like, years later, you're still, like, doing the same thing. You know, wait until the last mm -hmm. minute. Like, nothing yes. changed. Nothing. Welcome nothing to public changed. speaking. Right. Yeah, and 15-year-old Christina also would have been beyond excited about acapella. Only back then, <laughs> collegiate acapella was a much nerdier um, interest. And there were very few of us, I think, who were really into it. Um, and uh, I was I was not into it until I was like maybe 16, 17. But I was very into collegiate acapella. Wait, you were and, legitimately uh, into collegiate wow. acapella as a teen. Yes. You're amazing. 
That is amazing. <laughs> no, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd is what I am. No, I was legit into it. Like, I legit, like, bought CDs and, like, had downloaded MP3s and, like, went to shows and, like. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it, it, a guy I dated was in a group at Virginia Tech and got me into the whole thing. And even though that relationship did not end or end well, uh, I, my, my lifelong love for collegiate acapella remains. So, Actually, like 15-year-old me or 17-year-old me or whatever would be beyond ecstatic that I that the, the payoff of my big presentation is that I then get to get drunk and go see um, Pitch Perfect 2, yeah. which I will still Living be seeing in theaters. Like I'm, I'm organizing a big group outing for a bunch of us um, when it opens in May, but I – I can't even, you guys. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very unhealthily jealous right now because, like, people, <laughs> people don't know this about me. Like, I think from my reputation, like, people think of me as like, oh, Brianna, like, must just watch like horror movies or comic book movies or whatever. It's like any movie with dancing, I, I'm like obsessed <laughs> with. It's so sad, but like, I mean, step up to the streets. Step Up to the Streets too, like all of them. Yeah, I've seen I can't them. Do, oh. I love the Step Up films. I love Channing Tatum. That's how we got him. Yeah. I personally can't yeah. really do yeah. High School Musical, and I'll tell you why. It's just a cheap rip off of Fame, mm-hmm. and let's not even talk about the Fame remake because I can't even. But but Fame <laughs> itself, you. the original from like 1980 or whatever, is so amazing. Oh my god! But yeah, I was uh, God. I was going to start. Um, I was going to talk about. I can't top your news, Christina, but I can talk about how there's breaking news that uh, Namco is thinking about making a Sailor Moon game. Uh, this just came out today. <gasps> oh my god! Uh, our friend Alexa oh over at Gamespot. Uh, she was writing about this, and they're really. It's like they've got everything ready to go, and they're just trying to decide if they're going to do it. And I think Sailor oh. Moon Crystal is so unbelievably good. That I don't know. I think the time is right. I think this could really be good. That, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh God, you both have such good news, <laughs> such good woman power news today. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Christina, are uh, you a Sailor Moon fan at all? I am. I okay. am. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen it in you know like 15 years. You guys, you haven't seen Sailor Moon Crystal? No, I haven't. Oh my God, I haven't either. So oh I've got to get into that. I mean, but I like the original a whole lot. You know, I exclusively watch shows about sports. So right. show me a scene where they pick up a basketball and I'll watch it. Uh, <laughs> I'm hmm. trash, you guys. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some episodes like that. Like, I think Sailor Moon is really interesting because mm-hmm. I think when you think about superhero archetypes, something they, they usually do with you know women they're superheroes is they kind of, well, take Underworld. I mean, Kate... Beckinsale's gorgeous, but, you know, she's essentially a soldier in a cat suit, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I think makes Sailor Moon really interesting is it's a very, it's a world where all these archetypes and rules are very feminized. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. all about these very close girlfriends, but they don't really take on, you know, stereotypically masculine traits to fight the bad guys. And it's a dark show. Oh, my God, it's so mm-hmm. dark. But I, I just think it's a it's a truly unique um, take on the superhero genre. And it's made by a, a woman, if I'm not yep. wrong about that, yep. which I think definitely sets it apart from other magical girl shows, which even if they do kind of support f- strength and femininity, are can still, you know, have a bit of the male gaze creep into them just mm-hmm. because of the people that are making them. But Sailor Moon is freaking awesome. I agree. Yeah. All right. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Yeah, so you wanted to talk about the Apple Watch and the future of games <laughs> on. <laughs> Are we doing that for our first topic this week? Uh I'm happy to leap right into it if you guys don't mind. Yeah, let's get into so, it. All right. I'm so interested to hear what you have to say. Before before we start that topic, I want to sidetrack for four seconds here and say, uh, I went to, I broke my iPhone 6 Plus, so I had to go to the Apple Store this week, and I got, um, a, like, while I was waiting for them to swap it out, um, I got a really good chance to play at the new MacBook, Christina. And um, yes. I have to say, I think, um, yeah, for me playing with it, I didn't have as much time, obviously, as you did, but... Um, um, I found the keyboard, it just made a terrible first impression. Like it just, the instant I started typing on it, it was just yuck. And yeah. I think I get used to it. And I think like the keys being wider apart, I mean, larger rather, would help with you hitting like tap targets and things like that. But it just, it feels so gross right out of the gate. Did you experience that at all? Yes. So it's it was totally one of those things that took me time to get used to. And when I tried at first, I was kind of the same thing. I was like, huh, I don't know how I like this. Um, I got to the point that I actually really did like using it, especially once I got used to the thinness of the profile in other ways. But the, the, my first impression was definitely like, I can't type on this thing. Yeah. Which is why I said it took me, you know, a couple of hours to get used to it. But once I got used to it, I mean, I wouldn't say that I liked it better than um, the standard keyboard, but I certainly didn't hate it. And huh. it's certainly one of those things that um, I've gone back to using it. I have to send it back to Apple, which makes me really sad. Um, I know it's so sad, but when I've used it, you know, for just for other things, because it's so light and so portable, um, I haven't had a problem with it. Huh. So, you know, okay. like like I said in my review, you know, if I, I could see myself, I think because of how hard I was kind of pressing down, I could see it maybe hurting my wrist. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was not like, for me, it wasn't a deal breaker. For me, it was significantly better than typing on an iPad, um, which which I really can't stand to doing. Um, but it was, uh, mm -hmm. and it was kind of a step up, I guess, from using a lot of those iPad keyboards. But definitely, there is a learning curve, and I think for a lot of people, it's probably not going to be one of those things that they would love. Um, but I think that's one of those things I'll probably be able to improve over time. I don't know. Well, I think you get used to it. And there's probably there there's probably literally no object in my life. I've used as much. I, uh, this isn't a joke. Since like 2007, as that kind yep. of Apple low profile profile keyboard. I mean, think about it. Like, there's yeah. nothing I touch on a daily basis as much as that. So yeah, so you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that you would be any change to that would feel unpleasant. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not saying it's bad. Did you feel the wrist thing that Christina was talking about? I did. Really? Even with such short usage? I found it with the trackpad too, because, um, you know, when I use my MacBook trackpad, there's a point where I'm used to it clicking. And right. what I found with this is I would push it and I'd be kind of expecting this pushback at a certain point. And I was pushing oh. down to you got to go harder. Right. And it's like, you can yeah you can adjust that um huh. so when so what i did is i actually made it light for the for i guess the pressure versus hard so that it was you know you'd have to put down less pressure to have that clicky feedback because huh. for me i needed that and once i did that i i had a much better experience with the force touch hmm. well all i right. mean that's really all i wanted to say about it i mean the screen is gorgeous <laughs> um i just wanted to say but, like, but it's the beautiful first right 
it's beautiful. It's so thin. I think your comment about it being an iPad with a thin keyboard attached is dead on. I mean, it is, it is beautifully thin. Um, it just, the typing makes a really bad first impression. But um, anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. Uh, but what we wanted to talk about with this topic is, um, you guys, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I do a, a column every month with a Mac Life magazine. And um, yeah, my one this month is uh, I got a chance to try out the Apple Watch. And um, I've something I've been thinking a lot about is what kind of games are you going to be able to play on the Apple Watch? And I, I guess what I wanted to do is kind of talk about like my assessment of how how games are probably going to grow on this device and the dangers that I see and kind of just have an open Ooh. discussion about that. Um, mm-hmm. So I am worried that the Apple Watch is going to basically exacerbate the the very worst tendencies of the current games on iOS. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, as a game designer, there's a a trend on iOS that I find really disturbing. I would kind of call it the treadmill to nowhere game, where you're basically <laughs> like paying in-app purchases to level up faster to, you know, ultimately get nowhere. Um, yeah. I'm not talking about like, Christina, I know you love the Candy Crush. I would actually call Candy Crush a masterfully designed game. With Oh, yes. That it's I, evil, but it's brilliant. It is, <laughs> but I, it's a well-designed game. Um, but I'm talking more about Tiny Tower. Um, right. You know, just to tell you guys my story about Tiny Tower really quickly, I saw, I was hanging out with my uh, my lead engineer for Rev60. Yeah, I saw that she was playing Tiny Tower, and I'm like, oh, that looks cute. And I downloaded it, and she was at Tower, like, 120, and then I got completely addicted to that game trying to defeat her. <laughs> and, like, for, for months, I would get up at, like, 4 a.m. and restock my tower and go to bed. I would have it right next to my thing while I was, oh my um, gosh. you know, like, developing and you know i eventually got there and i eventually got to the point and i um you know built my entire tower Mm -hmm. uh and nothing happened and i was basically (sighs) waiting for you know nimble bits to release different stores to upgrade my tower even more and to keep repeating this um you know a thing like final fantasy if i spend you know 100 hours beating a final fantasy there are characters, there is a narrative arc, there is closure, mm-hmm. there is a quantifiable amount of power that I've, I've obtained, I'm able to go explore the world. That has a point. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with respect to Nimblebits, who played a game that I spent, they made a game I spent a lot of money on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not a game that goes anywhere. Right. So when I'm thinking about the Apple Watch, um, you know, the big problem is you know, you can't interact with it because if you're you're tapping on the screen, your finger's going to be covering up most of the interface. So when it comes to actually playing the games, like you're going to be stuck to the crown, um, you know, or the second button. So when thinking about the kind of games that are going to work on this device, something like a tiny tower immediately comes to mind, right? Like looking at your watch, restocking the tower very quickly. Like that's a game type that makes sense. Right. You're there. talking about kind of the grinding aspect, like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Farmville parlance, which I, yes, I used to play, you right. know, having to like, go back and like, you know, a check on your crops or, you know, sort of plow the fields or, or whatever. Right. You know, to, to do your little grind activities, I guess. Pretty much. Or even worse, get push notifications about what you need to do in the game on your phone. 
right. is probably something we'll see. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I have no doubt that's going to be built right into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that, yeah, I want to be really clear, like, I don't have any judgment against people that make those kinds of games, but you know, as a as a game developer, I something I think about a lot is the overall direction their industry is going. And you know, when I think about the current iOS game market, I think that I think that this is bad game design. And I almost worry that it's like poisoning an entire generation of players about thinking this is what games should be. So you know, when I'm thinking about yeah. the kind of games that we can get on Apple Watch, that doesn't particularly, um, it, it doesn't really appeal to me. Um, thinking about more positive examples, um, you know, a game type I think would work really well in the Apple Watch would be a kind of, um, like while I'm running, one of my goals is to like distract my mind while I'm running so I don't think about how out of breath I am, right? <laughs> so I've gotten really good at tweeting and Facebooking and checking mail and stuff over the years. Um, but I would imagine like they've got really cool games for iOS where like you run along routes outside and like for zombie stuff. Yeah, I think there's oh, yeah. a lot of... Um, capacity for like interactive games with fitness so i mean do you guys have any thoughts about any of that like i was just thinking that it's really interesting that we always in a in an effort to make games inclusive and expand the definition of gamer like i always do say you know if you play candy crush you're a gamer if you play games on your phone you're a gamer which i think is very very true but i do think you have a good point that for the, the people that are playing those games they don't necessarily have the same goals i think they want maybe a, sh- a short-term distraction. They don't necessarily want to be invested in a longer narrative thing. But I do think that your point about having like some kind of endgame scenario, some kind of meaningful purpose to what you're doing, that is something that even the people who don't really want a long commitment, um, that could still make the experience so much more satisfying for them. And um, I'm trying. To, I'm gonna look up the. There's this really cool game. I think it was called Run an Empire. Mm-hmm. That um, I think that's one of the ones that you were referring to when it comes to fitness, because you you run your route, and that route that you run becomes the borders of your empire. And if people in your neighborhood are using the app and they run that route, like they can cut out swaths of your empire, and that kind of thing. I think would be perfect um, for the Apple Watch. I'd be surprised if that doesn't come to it. I'm sure it will. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that that's I think that that's all possible. But I think when you look at like why a farm bill works, um, I think it's a social interaction, and I can't imagine that being a really pleasing oh. interaction through a watch. Yeah, I also right. think you can't overestimate just how much the graphical elements in UI tie to Farmville being immersive. Like when I yes. play those mm-hmm. games, um, they are masterpieces and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like they are wildly addictive for a reason. And I just don't believe that like, I mean, if you've seen an Apple Watch in person, it's a tiny 38 millimeter like yeah. you know, square on your wrist. And I just can't imagine that being immersive. I mean, Christina... Graphically, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, But I would hesitate to say that the like interactions between users in Farmville were ever pleasant in the first place, I guess? Um, 
I, I would take issue with that. I mean, I, right. I haven't played Farmville in a long, long time. And I, I, so disclosure alert, when the first iPad app came out and, and they wound up discontinuing it for, for, for iPad and iPhone and then bringing it back again, this was, I guess, in like 2010, um, I had to write about it for Mashable and review it. And I blamed Mashable for then getting me hooked to Farmville. <laughs> and... I was about to move to New York and, and there was like a four month period where I played a lot of Farmville. Like I think even that Christmas grant got me like a Farmville gift card or something. Oh my god. It was gosh. stupid. But it was one of those things where I could turn off my brain after, you know, working during the day and it was just something that I kind of enjoyed doing. And I really enjoy time management games. And and even though Farmville obviously, you know, in, in its heyday kind of obviously gamified that to the point where, you know, you're encouraged just to spam your friends, which I didn't really do. I actually made friends. I had like a separate friends list of like my own wow. Farmville people to send them things because I didn't want to like let everyone on Facebook know how much time I was spending on Farmville. <laughs> Keep it your shameful secret. <laughs> Completely. So I had like a separate friends list um, that where I would only publish to like a certain list of people and, and, and get those things done. You know, you create your own little world within the game where you're sending people stuff. Um, I have kind of OCD about completism stuff, and, mm-hmm. which makes me a terrible candidate for these things in that I'll, I will spend a ton of time and money on them. But I love time management games. Like, I, I do. Like, I love the Diner Dash games, and, and I love a lot of those types of things. And Farmville, the best elements of that, I think, was kind of a fun experience, especially when you would need to, like, get a certain goal. Like, you know, you have to collect this many items or do this many things in this period of time, and then you get the reward, which might be, like, a special tchotchke to put in your farm and make it really pretty. Like, it's stupid, but it's fun. And I think, to Bree's point, that you at least get something out of it versus a tiny tower where you're literally just building more floors, and then you're done. Um, and, And you're not getting anything even, you know a special little floor thing or, or whatnot. You know, there doesn't seem to be any sort of payoff. Um, so I think that there was there is something to be said about some sort of social interaction being there. Whether or not you can have that on the watch, I kind of agree with Brie. I don't think you I don't think right now you can. But I was gonna ask you, Brie, I mean I've looked at the SDK mm-hmm. and I've looked at like how the app you know watch kit apps are laid out. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I mean you can't really execute native code on it. It's basically just, you know, kind of JavaScript calls and, and doing calls to other parts of, you know, the phone. But I mean they're basically just little mini apps within iOS apps that then can have kind of interactions on, on, on the screen itself. It's not as if they're able to do a lot of other things. So I wonder, I guess, my question is, and A, first, correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, you're completely right. Okay. So I guess I wonder, from a gaming perspective, is there much that people can even do aside from maybe like having some sort of easy kind of JavaScript game, maybe having some sort of, you know, I could see, for instance, threes, I could see maybe having kind of a, a, a watch um, kit thing, or maybe like having the Omega Alpha Omega is one of those games I've been playing a lot of. Maybe there's one of Scrabble I could actually see working really well for a watch, where you could, you know, maybe use like that as like your, you know, if you're playing a group game on the iPad or something, you know, you could see your letters um, that oh, you got yeah. available on the watch, and, and maybe even draw things out or Boggle or something. Um, but I wonder, like, if the limitations of the SDK itself are more than maybe even the other aspects you're talking about going to be the limiting forces of the games. Like I would love to see like a snake game, like, like the, like the old Nokia style snake game. Like I think that with the, <laughs> with the digital crown would be amazing. I would totally that would play be that all so the time. Fantastic. Oh my like, gosh. Like seriously, I would yeah. play the hell out of that. And I think you could do that in JavaScript fairly easily. I, you could do it, but I mean, I, I guess the paradigm I may be bringing to this that may or may not be correct with what other game developers are going to do, but I'm kind of assuming that 
the Apple Watch is going to be used as like an offloaded component of larger games. Do you know? And the right. reason I say that, like you had, Simone, did you have like a, a third first gen iPod, like the, the scroll wheel version of it? Did you have that? No, I never had that but one. But Christina, you had one, right? Yeah, Brick Breaker. Yeah, you remember playing like, like Brick and, you know, like yep. Solitaire on oh. it. I mean, it's kind yep. of terrible. <laughs> like it was fun playing it. But yeah, I loved Solitaire on that thing. Oh my gosh. I loved Solitaire on that. And there, and it was, um, it wasn't Brick Breaker. It was, uh, what was it? It was, jo- it was, uh, yeah, but you know, it was the Defender or whatever the game was. Peggle, like you, Peggle was pe- out on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, but. Are you telling me I could have been playing Peggle years earlier than I am now? <laughs> I'm saying that. Yes, actually. Oh. What, what I'm saying is I think that that worked because that was novel in that age, like using the click wheel to go through your solitaire. Like, I remember that. That was fun at the time because the click wheel felt so innovative back then. I think in 2015, if you found yourself limited to that interface, I think it would have novelty value for a while. And I think it would get old really fast. Um, and But maybe my bias is I'm not interested in making like simple games. Do you know what I mean? Like I work yeah. with 3D for a reason. Um, sure. I guess my question is, yeah. is there anything in the SDK that would actually let you um, go to doing anything other than simple games with the Apple Watch? I think you could probably do it creatively. I mean, um, I would have to sit down and work with it. But you're, you're right that there are immense limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reason I, 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 an assumption I'm bringing to the table there is if you're going to be doing a game there, you're going to be using that SDK to offload it to the phone and let that do a lot of the computational things. Does that make sense? And like send you relatively simple data back and graphics. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But even then you're basically talking about, this is why worry is going to be the fear with it. And, And maybe that's a bad assumption to be bringing to the table, but like basically gameplay that is an extension of notifications is I think it's just going to be feeding into these worst ideas. Like they've been trying this since the Dreamcast. Like, do you remember the VMUs back then where it was like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. raise your little Sonic child. So. Um, okay. <laughs> Honestly, look, that was awesome uh, for, for, for Seaman. That was mm-hmm. amazing. Having a little, do you remember, did you play Seaman? Um, I, I didn't uh, play it, but no. Yeah. Seaman, I, I know it, about was, it, yeah. it was, it was this amazing virtual game where basically on the um, Dreamcast VMU, you had like your Tamagotchi type thing, and then you had the actual interface and the other stuff in the game itself. Um, but you could take huh. the VMU with you and play with it just like a Tamagotchi and, right. and keep up on its health thing. Um, that's another thing I will totally use it for. So I play Hatch, which um, uh, my, my friend Phil does, which is basically like a modern Tamagotchi. And I've been keeping my hatch updated. My, my little FUBU, I think, is, is what the little creature is called. Mm-hmm. I've been keeping him active and alive. His name is Rupert. Um, <laughs> for like a year and a half. I'm not even joking, you guys. Um, I like play with that thing every day. I would, I know it's. You are committed. I am. And, and this is the longest I've ever kept up with like anything. Um, I love my, I'm, I'm opening it up right now to feed him. Um, I will totally, <laughs> if they have an Apple Watch app, I will, I will totally feed the hell out mm-hmm. of FUBU. Huh. It's like, hey, you're, you're back. Um, I, but I will totally like, you know, like, like feed the hell out of uh, Rupert 
and maybe do little <laughs> tricks with him if I can. Um, and he has like a little house that he can go into and you can teach him little tricks to tap on things. And he's very cute and funny and, and he poops and you have to clean up his, he's adorable. Anyway, the <laughs> well, whole the Hatch the is it's an amazing game. It, no, it's the cutest game ever, but I would totally play the hell out of that on Hatch. I mean, on, on, on an Apple Watch. I wonder how complex the interactions between the Apple Watch and the, the phone or the iPad could be. Because if there was something where you were almost using the watch as a controller, I know it's small, but if there was something that was very gesture-based or right. pressure-based, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Honestly, you know, um, what was it? A draw with friends? What was it called? Yeah. Words yeah, Draw something. That was the one I was thinking of. Draw something. I mean, if Zynga were smart, they could actually make a comeback with draw something on the huh. Apple Watch, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be tough, though. Be- oh, my. well, it would be, but, but well, you, that you makes it draw, funny. But it, that exactly. That's oh the thing. no, yeah. I meant the back end component, and, oh, like doing oh. that through oh, that SDK yeah. <laughs> to get that to go. That would be. But also, I mean, but, but, uh, trivia crack is already on the Apple Watch, huh. and that's pretty fun. <gasps> so trivia crack on the Apple Watch is like a ton of fun, and because uh, I've seen that work, and I think that that would work really well. I think Heads Up, that's another one of Phil's games, would work well. Um, Interesting. I, I think there there are a lot of opportunities that you could do some stuff, but I think it's going to be have to be simpler stuff at first. I think just mm-hmm. for the reasons you're outlining, Brie, well, and, even and the it, SDK. I mean, it's not. Well, you're yeah. not going to get super. <laughs> well, this, this is my point. Yeah, I mean, I think right. the SDK, but I also think that kind of there are going to be limitations in the challenges. I do hope though that people don't take the easy way out and just make it like little mini ads for you know the yeah the game itself or, or overly rely on the notifications i mean i think that's going to be one of the big things i mean most of those yeah. games i turn the notifications off i'm like i don't freaking don't tell me you know that oh come back and play you know whatever like i don't want to know i think one of the problems apple watch could solve that the iphone can't is with the as far as the motion built into it a genre mm-hmm. that I am really sad that has kind of died is uh, DDR and dance games in general. Yes. Um, I love yes. DDR. I'm ridiculously Me good too. at DDR. Um, I bet you are. I yeah. bet you are. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm obsessed with it. Um, and yeah, there are certain games on iPhone, like Bounden, which if you haven't played it, you've got to. It's this two-player game where one person, like, puts a thumb on each side of it, and there's a second player, and you have to, like, twirl around with them while holding the phone. It's just this beautiful, beautiful motion-based game. And I think with the Apple Watch, there are potentials for, like, dancing games or workout games or, you know, like, I think about, I mean, my God, think about how much... um, like play Nintendo managed to get mm-hmm. out this stupid balance board for Wii yeah. Fit, which I'm sorry, <laughs> it was not the best piece of technology. But no, but it was fun. It was and fun. Yeah, right. It was fun. I mean, I think that I think you bring up a great point with the motion stuff. I mean, I think that could actually maybe not a game in a traditional sense, but with some of the health stuff because it's not as advanced as say some, some uh, as some of the newer Fitbits and stuff. But you can it, it does a pretty good job with some of its sensors. Maybe you're you know earning points or going through different levels or or, or doing things. Like there used to be like a series of games that would kind of, you know, even even the Wii Fit is a great example, you know, that stuff where like, you know, you go further, you know, once you burn more calories and do more other stuff. I mean, like I could mm-hmm. see that being being something you could kind of, you know, do where that's maybe impacting like the game you're playing on your phone or your iPad, you know, based on the activity that's on your watch. Maybe maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not the watch yeah. itself, but the watch sensors are being used. 
if that makes any sense. I think there's a lot of whimsy associated with machines responding to how we're moving and how we're interacting with them. Like there's, I feel like there's a part of us that still responds to that in this very kind of amazed childlike way. Cause it it is, it is so cool to have that thing respond to you as, as it in real time, like it knows what you're doing. So if there are motiony things, Wow, the eloquence is not coming out of me today. But yeah, like motion things for the watch would be absolutely incredible. And yeah. The uh-huh. eloquence Sorry. is not coming out of me today. It is seriously not. Like, I, oh my God, you guys, my brain today is <laughs> That is the most fried. anime thing you've ever said so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Kill me. Oh my God. Fly over here and kill me, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> the eloquence is not coming what out. was i gonna say <laughs> eloquence that's what the, the show title the eloquence the, elo- the, eloquence, the eloquence of simone the eloquence the, the, of simone. The, the, that the sounds eloquence like a horror movie yeah, first it of does. all it does. it does it sounds yeah. like an amazing horror movie yeah but like you said i'm sure there will be no no shortage of companies that are just using it for push notifications and things but i'm actually really interested to see what people do with the forced simplicity of it because i've always yes. been of the opinion that forced simplicity can result in really really amazing things when you just strip everything down to basics and make people yep. work within those constraints so yeah I, I am optimistic even though like you said the technical problem or the back end is also simplistic in a way that might limit people. I, I, I think we should move on. But I, I think at the basic level, I mean, you know, Christine, you're dead on that there are a lot of technical limitations to this watch within, you know, like watch kit. It is, it is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the entire reason Apple is able to get developers to flock to their system was they managed to build some SDKs that make it relatively easy to put games out on the market. Let me give you a really mm-hmm. g- great example. Scene Kit from last year's WWDC. I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and they have like this technology that lets you make 3D games in a really basic, easy way. I work with Unreal, so like, you know, cheating and making a normal map out of a bitmap is not a particularly complicated <laughs> thing, but that is a really cool tool. And they were able to like turn this 2D game into a 3D game by like making mm-hmm. these very sophisticated tools for developers. What WatchKit is going to do is it's really going to make you take a step back because it, yeah, this is an oversimplification, but it, it is baby talk in comparison to what mm-hmm. you can do on a full fledged iPhone. So I, are you going to mess with around with it a bit or? Well, I specialize in Unreal and it's yeah. like, do I want to learn this entirely different form? <laughs> um, yeah, not really. I'm, I'm probably going to yeah. concentrate. I mean, I'm definitely going to play around with it. But, you know, I am I'm actually going to use Linda <laughs> to hey. work on some texture painting skills, uh, you know, this week, actually. So that's there's only wow. so much I can learn. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's a perfect segue <laughs> into the fact that we are sponsored this week again by the wonderful lynda.com. Uh, and you can get a free trial with lynda.com if you visit lynda.com slash rocket. And that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash rocket. Uh, we've been talking about them for weeks, and we still adore the fact that this is a huge learning resource with tons and tons of video courses that you can take to boost your skills in Photoshop and Excel in Facebook advertising in um, audio editing basically everything that you need to be a business or creative professional they have classes on it um, you can watch videos from experts who know their stuff and are there to teach it to you 
Um, you can watch those courses on demand. You can also put them in playlists. Every course has a transcript so you can read through and find exactly what you need or you can do the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it's freaking awesome. So have you guys had any good Linda experiences this week? Ah, uh, I can say for me, I'm I'm kind of brushing up on all my texture work currently. So there oh, are yeah. some very specific sub tools that I use with my job. Um, I was looking with it. Linda actually has updated courses with it. So um, you know, basically, what I'm trying to do is, um, you know, we throw down like a base layer on our characters, and I, I've kind of cheated with this um, method where. I kind of liquefy it with Photoshop, um, like, you know, the liquefy tool. So I'll get like a texture mm. sample and I'll liquefy it all over the, the character. And then it's this really tedious process of like saving a PNG out and I'll save it to a oh. folder and then I go over to Maya and then it's like right click, go down four shaders, like reload the texture onto the ah. model, pan it around, look at it. Hmm. There are some, there's some tool tutorials that Linda um, has and to kind of speed that up with a more modern technique. So um, I'm actually going through and like brushing up my um, material shader skills right now with Linda. That is super freaking cool. Yeah. Love wow. Oh, Brie and her tech speak. Goodness me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, Christina runs circle. I know a lot about my... Yeah, Christina, this is why I envy about you. Because you have a really broad knowledge of it all. And, you know, I feel like I know... I, I have a good general understanding, but like my specific tech skills are so drilled down in this area, like, you know, slash unreal slash 3d modeling slash texture slash cinematic scripting. It's like this one super specialty. So. <laughs> I, th- I still think that's awesome. Yeah. I do too. But what a specialty, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Be the number one. You could teach courses on lynda.com. I could. I could. I probably wouldn't well, do that. Nice I would totally there. take that. That'd be amazing. Would you? Dude, yeah. <laughs> How to yeah, make I would like watch the hell out of like you, what you're talking about right now. Like I would love to learn about that sort of stuff cuz that's I don't yeah. I mean I have like a tangential understanding of what you're talking about, but I don't I can't actually do it so to even see someone demonstrate that would be amazing. It's it's a cool skill to have. So, I mean, you know, it's I'm all self-taught. This is a true story. Um, you know, my team went and spent God, I don't remember how much they spent on their degrees. I think it was 38000 something like that. <laughs> I don't um, want to know, Brianna. I'm still paying those loans. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, they, they basically went and took like a really intense year, year and a half course. Um, I sat down and I, I swear this is true. I'm not making this up. I bought a Linda subscription and I sat down and I learned it all myself. And, you know, I'm, at, I'm the head of a studio. So, there you, go. you know, yeah, true story. I think there's a lot to be said. I, I, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, higher education is great, but there is a lot to be said for learning from people who are actively in the field that you're yep. looking to go into or that you're looking to just brush up on. Absolutely. And that's what Linda's for. Unlimited access to hundreds and thousands of topics and experts who can teach them to you. So if you haven't signed up for that free trial yet, go do it now <laughs> at lynda.com slash rocket. I feel like the eloquence was coming that time, Simone. Yeah, well, with Linda, like, that, it's no big deal. I can do that. They're freaking <laughs> awesome. Like, it just comes out of me. <laughs> I'll be eloquent for Linda. I won't be eloquent for the Apple Watch. Right, I had my right. Apple Watch eloquence last week. Like, that moment is past. That's true. We have to That's move true. on to the future. The next <laughs> Apple Watch. The Apple Watch 2. I'm already there, you guys. You're in the future? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Go with it. <laughs> Uh, it's been a it's been a long week. It's only Wednesday. 
Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh, shut up. It is only Wednesday. Uh. I'm still so caught up because we did Friday the last two weeks and now we're back on the regular Wednesday and I'm like, what? I know. I was like, I get to talk to my friends already. Like, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Brianna, you wanted to talk about the Surface 3. Oh, um, why don't we throw this one over to Christina? Because I've talked so yeah. much this episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so um, you know, last week, you know, we were talking a lot about, and I talked a lot about the the new MacBook, which is obviously, you know, Apple's kind of like what they're saying that kind of the future of notebooks is. And I, and I tend to think that that is the representation of what the future of notebooks is going to be. Um, but I think it's worth noting that there is another company that is actually doing a pretty good job with kind of um, – giving kind of a, an alternate kind of take, a, a non-Apple take on um, notebook computing. And, and that would be Microsoft with Microsoft Surface. Um, the Surface mm-hmm. is an interesting product because I think the first couple of iterations were fundamentally flawed in that Microsoft kept trying to sell them as iPad competitors, not realizing they neither had the ecosystem um, nor the really the, the skill set nor the hardware um, kind of profile to compete head to head with the iPad. It's like, you know, they were running these commercials where they were showing things like, oh, you know, oh, you can play chopsticks, you know, on, on your iPad and you can do this, but I can do real work. And I thought those were the worst ad campaigns ever because what it really pointed out to me was <laughs> – I can't play chopsticks on my Microsoft Surface. Hmm. I can't, I mm-hmm. didn't have a, you know, didn't have a music app. It didn't have these fun apps where, you know, the iPad is kind of, yeah, you can create content and do a lot of great stuff on it, but you want to do it for gaming, lean back. You know, you want to do it for consuming video, for for having fun, for making music. You know, Apple has had that whole campaign where they show all the music and photography and stuff you can do on your iPad. And and that's not any, really anything that Microsoft was able to do with you know the Windows Store with Windows 8 when that first came out, and certainly not with the first couple of iterations of, of the Surface. But with mm-hmm. the Surface Pro 3, which came out last year, they took a fundamentally different approach. And instead of competing against the iPad, they said, you know what, our real competition for the Surface Pro 3 is not the iPad, but the MacBook Air. And that's what they pitted it against. That's what they put when they, they had this bizarre like presentation where they, my, my friend Joanna Stern, they called her out by name like throughout the entire presentation, she because she had talked about how much she loved her MacBook Air, and they like basically tailored the presentation towards her. I think she was totally uncomfortable. What? Oh, wow. um, oh my god! <laughs> it was hilarious. Scary. Like the, the, it, it was live streamed, and they kept saying, "Oh, Joanna, you know, like our, you know, we 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 saw your video about the MacBook Air. We really think you're gonna like this laptop." And um, oh, that's freaky. It that's was really <laughs> uncomfortable. Well, no, I mean it was funny. It was cute the way they did it, but but anyway, they you know, but they very ma- much made it clear they had a MacBook Air on stage. They were kind of going head-to-head price-wise, battery-wise, spec-wise, you know, that this is a machine that is a MacBook Air competitor and not an iPad competitor. And I wrote at the time, and I still stand by this, I think that's fundamentally the right way for them to go because that really fundamentally is what the Mm -hmm. Surface is, is the Surface is a really great portable laptop. It's not a good tablet. Um, it can act as a tablet, and if you need to use a touch screen, you can do that. And, and Windows, you know, obviously has a touch screen component to it that that um, uh, OS X does not. Um, but um, you know, and and it can you know, uh, and it can run all the legacy apps and run things like Photoshop, and it, it can be a full fledged laptop. But that's really what it is. It's a full fledged low power laptop, not a, um, a a tablet. So what they're doing mm-hmm. now with the new Surface Three, which is not a Pro, which they announced is they're kind of taking on, I would say, some of the lower end 
um, less expensive Windows computers. The price tag of $499, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this is kind of going against an iPad Air. It's still not, though, because it's still going to be thicker than an iPad Air, heavier. It's still not going to have the same app ecosystem that you would get with the Air. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has an Atom processor. Um, it starts at you know four ninety nine. It will run real apps. It's not going to be powerful enough to be anybody's work machine, depending on you know the type of work that you do. But it could go to head to head with some of the things like Lenovo's Yoga Line, some of the Chromebooks, some of the HP Stream machines. Um, that really offers a, a solid, I think, computer. Um, at a low price point that's kind of at that mid-range or I guess low-end kind of price. So they're offering you the, the, the Service Pro experience, but um, less power at um, a less expensive price. And I don't know what you guys think, but I think that's kind of an interesting take on, you know, Apple's coming in with the Mac um, with a new MacBook, obviously at the high end, and that's obviously the future of laptops. But I think Microsoft mm-hmm. and their approach with the touchscreen and with these, these touch covers and with, you know, kind of the, the – the whole thing they're doing with Windows 10, I think, is interesting in that they're kind of, you know, they're they're showing that there is another alternative if you want to have, if you're in the Windows world, there is another type of computing you can do. And they're making a pretty good, I think, argument that um, you can do a lot of these things. What do you guys think? Well, I think, it, I think it's really interesting. But what was surprising to me as I was reading the reviews is that it doesn't come with that. It has the full keyboard, but that is an extra purchase. Yes. And I think I just think that's very strange to me because it seems like in every other way it is as functional as you know Chromebook or as a, a cheap laptop, but you need to spend that extra money to get the keyboard, yes. which you would want for any kind of like word processing functionality. Yes, for any kind of like office work that you would be doing. Yeah, you yeah. definitely need. And I mean, you can use the Bluetooth keyboard with it or plug in a USB. But yeah, you want to get one of those touch mm-hmm. um, covers, and and they've made those available separately. They offer bundles, I think, most of the time where you can get one kind of bundled in. But you're right; it is a weird omission, and I think it's just kind of a, you know, probably a, a an upsell sort yeah, of it's thing. Yeah, upsell. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the Apple doesn't include dongles, you know, like, you know, the new MacBook, one USB-C port, and you've got to spend 80 bucks on an adapter if you want to have yeah, it plugged into <laughs> a, a monitor and power at the same time. Yeah, but I, I think that's, you know, they don't sell like a MacBook Air without a keyboard, you know, like, <laughs> granted, I, granted. I, I think you that's... chop it in half. I mean, yeah, that's that's a big part of the experience that they're they're offering. I I guess I would, I would say this, um, you know, I have... You know, Unreal works much better under Windows than it does OS ten. Even though I, I listen, call me a fangirl. I don't like using <laughs> Windows. I don't. It right. feels like poison the entire time I use it. I hate it. Um, you know, welcome to my life. Sorry, but <laughs> yeah, that said, I've used Windows a lot over my career, and um, you know, because so much of the middleware that I have to work with as a professional, I will always have to have a Windows machine around. Right. And, or at yeah, the because, very least a virtual machine or something. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah. it's not just that a lot of the 3D middleware that we use um, only runs in Windows. Like, that's mm-hmm. the dev environment that almost everyone uses. I'm the only 3D person I know that loves, you know, OS X uh, as much <laughs> as I do. So, um, you know, it's like, 
I've thought a lot about buying a Surface because it does look really portable. And uh, something I value on my job is I really love that I can go to meetings with investors or employees or go, you know, over, have lunch with one of my engineers and sit down and open up like the computer with the software that we're developing it on and like solve a problem right there. It's a lot better than, you know, just sitting there talking into, you know, like drawing diagrams and not getting it done. So yeah. I've thought a lot about these, but I have to be honest when I say um, I've looked at the Windows Surface Pro and it looks like it's just, it, it looks like the value isn't there for me. I mean, it's at the point where I would you know, want to get something like a razor, you know, like it, it seems like it's costing that much and the, the touchscreen apparatus of it is not particularly valuable to me. Um, well, look at this. Um, you know, like my assistant was, uh, she went and bought a new Windows machine today because her computer was dying. And, you know, I was I was thinking about recommending this to her because, you know, she doesn't do developing stuff. She does like calendar and email right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, I I. Th- I see what you're saying, Christina, but I have to take exception to something you said where it seems like a more, I can't remember your exact wording, but you're saying it, it felt like a, a real computer. And like something I noticed from the reviews was talking about how like if you're trying to multitask like, you know, like um, iTunes and you know, Microsoft Word at the same time, it's going to get really slow and chuggy. Yes. Yeah. So, was it like that? Um, that doing that little made it? Laggy? Uh, as I recall, according to the Verge review, I mean, was that yeah. the impression you got, Christina? I've, I've used it very little, I have to be yeah. honest. Lance is doing our review, but yeah, Lance has said the same thing. And I was referring more to a real computer thing. I was really talking more about, I guess, the last Surface Pro 2 and, and probably the, the, the Surface Pro 3. Right, right. That but, is but, but a, this, yeah. That is, I mean, the Surface mm-hmm. Pro 3, especially if you get it tricked out with the i7 and stuff, is a very powerful computer. Whether Absolutely. it could do 3D stuff, it's it's a really good laptop. Yeah. It's expensive, but it's mm-hmm. a really good laptop. Yeah. This one, yeah, it's, it's the Atom processor. What's interesting about this is that this is the first time they've been able to get the power profile for Atom down where they can conceivably go up against some of the arm stuff but the performance just isn't there you're absolutely right and Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because um i used an hp stream 11 that's actually what i would recommend to uh to to, uh uh, your your, um your assistant brie Mm -hmm. um it's uh or they had the stream 13 as well it's basically a chromebook but it runs windows and it actually runs it pretty well and they're inexpensive it's got a good keyboard um, I mean, I think they have one that starts at like 300 bucks, and um, it's, it's a solid machine. It's basically a Chromebook, but it runs Windows, um, which for a lot of people, the fact that you can do iTunes on it does make it better. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, that's kind of the downside of kind of this new Atom technology is that it's got a lower power profile and it can kind of compete, I guess, with the iPad, so to speak, but it's not going to be powerful enough if you're trying to do multitasking. That's definitely what Lance said. Lance's review is not done yet, but he was complaining about that today. He was saying, you know, for me and for the work I do, there's no way I could use this thing at all. I was just going to wonder what its lifespan is, because when I'm thinking about cheap laptops, I think about, you know, the the laptops I've gone through in the last couple of years. I got a laptop a couple of years ago that I think is dying, partially my own fault, but partially just because it's not the nicest machine. And if the Surface 3 has a lifespan that would be longer than a cheap laptop, then I think we could see real competition right. there if if people are thinking about longevity. Yeah, and I think for this one, I don't think it's got that, honestly. I think for, for this one, unfortunately, I think because it's the first kind of 
you know, Adam attempted this. You know, they tried to do this thing with the surface and the surface to yeah. RT, which oh was terrible. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> and, my god. and basically, it was you know runtime Windows runtime, and basically would only run um, modern Windows apps. It wouldn't run in the legacy x86 stuff because yeah, it was, it was running on ARM. Yeah. It was ARM based. And the problem with that was is that nobody has actually embraced. Very few people actually wrote apps for it, and so you had very yeah. few things you could do. And these were the ones they were going up against the iPad with in the commercials, where they're like, "Oh, well, you know, I can do this. I can run Office, and I can do this." And I'm thinking, actually, I can do a lot more on my iPad than you can. Well, Right. I wrote this whole yeah. thing. I wrote this whole thing a couple of years ago about what a failure RT was and and how they needed to kill it and and, and just to watch it die and, and things like that and and what <laughs> just a failure to watch it die. Was. Yeah, they they did. I mean, they needed to do that. And <laughs> the eloquence is coming. Uh, <laughs> um, and, there it is. There, there it, is. it is. And and so I think that for. Oh. Compared to RT, this is definitely an improvement, right? right? Because you can actually run the full apps. The problem is, is that the power profile still isn't quite there to really be able to be like, okay, mm-hmm. we have the power to do these apps. So I don't know. Maybe next generation, um, you yeah. know, maybe, maybe, maybe the next Atom um, will will be better for that. But yeah, I think at this point, I think that's a good point, Simone. Where a lot of us have been in that situation where we've had those less expensive laptops that yeah, they just don't last very long, and especially yeah. as you know, you're using more and more apps um you know they slow down and you're like i can't use this thing Mm -hmm. i think it's just so kind of disheartening that after years of having surfaces there's there's not a huge market for native apps for that for for windows os or oh my god Uh, (laughs) sorry what would we call the um the artist formerly known as Metro. Yeah. I mean, I think they call it the modern <laughs> interface. Yeah, the me- it was called the Metro interface. I always called it in my articles. Seriously, you guys, I always called the artist formerly known as Metro. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> because because they got sued for for calling it the Metro design style. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, no one wants to use it on a laptop, and then on the Surface now they've gone and said right. that it runs full Windows, so you don't even have to use the apps. You can just use programs. Windows, so exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it is a shame they weren't able to get the developer uptake. And I think it was because they were too bifurcated in their approach. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, they kept saying one Windows, one Windows, one code base. And they've been saying that for years. It looks like it'll finally happen with Windows 10. Yeah. Although, who knows, you know, develop for the Xbox, develop for, you know, the Windows Phone, develop for, you know, the, the PC, <laughs> all on the same code fingers. base. It, it's I mean, a great tagline, Christina. It is a great tagline. I it, will, uh, we, we heard uh, it with Java, yeah. and it didn't work yeah. in Java either. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always say. People are like, oh. write once, run everywhere. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Java. If you don't care about the details, sure. And I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) and 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 then people, and then people are like, Java works great in the enterprise, and this and that. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Don't even defend Java. If you're going to defend Java to me, like, send me all the hate mail you want. Do not defend Java to me. Um, (laughs) As as a computer person, do not defend Java to me because it's anyway. I mean, I understand for enterprise stuff, that's fine. But like, even now, it's like JavaScript, maybe, but like, obviously, different Mm -hmm. language, different different paradigm, different whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it, you're right. It, it does. It is a shame they've had all these years. Well, but look, look Windows 8 as a, as a whole strategy has been a failure. Oh I mean, it, it's yeah. to, to the point that, you know, Steven Sanofsky, who is very talented, was let go, that the whole team was restructured. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big yeah. reason Steve Ballmer stepped down. I mean, you know, the whole strategy, it's, I mean, it, it's, it makes Vista look quaint in comparison well i mean you know here at jsx we you know i want to say like microsoft has been really awesome every time we talk to them and you know like we have 
you know, we have had conversations with people on the Surface team about like developing for for Surface, and you know, in the RT age, um, God, I'm not gonna get into the difference between ARM and x86, but you know, like it is a non-trivial problem to ask developers right. to develop for both <laughs> for, like, two different architectures. <laughs> Which is, is why Apple didn't right. do it. Apple, right. when, yeah. I mean, right. he, he, this is not like, Brianna, go just push the button that makes it compile no, for it's ARM not. instead. <laughs> like, this gets to your problem with Java, which, exactly. oh my God, we should have a whole show. We should have a whole show on Java. Java. But, um, you know, it's, I, I guess when thinking about, it's the exact same thing as the Apple Watch guys. We're like, when I look at the Apple Watch, I look at games at it. My first question is, what problems does the Apple Watch solve that the current technology does not solve? So when I look at the Windows Surface, like, you know, products from the Pro to this lower cost one, my question is, what cost, what problem does it solve? So with the Windows, like Surface Pro, I don't see that solving a problem better than like a, a notebook in that price range because I personally do not value um, like a, the ability to draw with the stylus on the screen. I have mm-hmm. a, a Wacom and just a, a much better system for that personally. So when I look at this lower cost tablet, I say to myself, what problems does this solve? Who is this for? And it's clearly for someone that primarily does email, social networking, and Facebooking, which is why it's so troubling to me that when I'm reading the reviews, they're universally lambasting the keyboard and the trackpad interface. And, you know, as hard as we've been on the MacBoard keyboard, every time I've used a Surface keyboard, it has been a hellish horrendous, terrible, <laughs> very bad, let's not even get into the track awful. Oh. I, I can't even, like, it's it's unusable. It is. The the trackpad for me is the big thing. That, yeah. But that's just for Windows keyboards in general. I mean, right. I have to say, like, and mm-hmm. I have even, like, my, my, my friends who are, like, total Windows fanboys, even they will agree with me um, that, you know, for most people, the Windows trackpad, I mean, if you've ever used a Mac trackpad, you can't go and use a Windows one and not want to just scratch your eyes out yeah. because I don't understand how they haven't managed to. I mean, it's how not many that years hard, guys. has it been now? It's been like 2008 exactly. when they came out with the first uh, the redesigned Unibody MacBook Pro. Exactly, precisely, yeah. and 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 exactly 2008. Shoot, go back to 2007. Go to the original or 2006, I guess. Go to the original plastic black book and and white MacBooks yeah. and steal that trackpad with the with with the one button or split it into two. Steal that trackpad because it was great. You know, like I mean, the unibody trackpad is obviously amazing. You know, the one button thing. And and let's not even get into the. I really do enjoy Force Touch, but like just even if you were to steal old Apple trackpad technology, it would be a million times better than what you know you've got now. Um. No, you're right, and and I and I think that um, I mean Microsoft does a lot of really great things, um, but one of the things they they don't do well, I mean, and it's hard for them. I think that the the Surface was kind of an example for them is that they weren't really that happy with a lot of the touchscreen and kind of portable, you know, hybrid machines they were seeing from some of their. Um, at least at that time, coming down the pipe from some of their OEMs. And and the OEMs, to their credit, I think, kind of came through. But the Surface, you know, for the people who are doing – I could see, like, if you were a salesperson and you are doing a lot of Excel, 
and probably usually had it connected to an external keyboard and then a docking station and mm-hmm. you needed to show off presentations and you needed to maybe be able to draw on some things and you needed you know something that was really portable and you could carry with you i could see the surface being useful if you're a windows person because mm-hmm. honestly in a in in a um a surface pro anyway in a office environment in a um if you've got it on a, a docking station it basically is like a nice macbook air but with like a retina screen so i could mm-hmm. see that argument being being useful but I'm with you, Bree. I think that it's it's um, troubling looking at the, the the new one. It seems a little bit too low end, where it's not able to kind of do those basic things. Where the trackpad is terrible, the typing experience isn't good, and then um, you know it can't do Facebook well because it's you know crashing all the time. Yeah, I I think if they put me in charge of designing this product, I would get rid of the idea of making the keyboard separate, and I would make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the name of this? The Yoga. It's this. The Yoga. Yeah. Lenovo, the, the yeah. Flips back. That is a yeah. good design and what i would do is like amp up and put all because people want the ability to touch and like scroll through things and lay on the couch is like a more intimate way to use a, a device like that fine so like add that keyboard add it on there make it a high quality thin thing hell like make the ability to to pull it off like that's not an impossible <laughs> thing but i think this current design scheme is just I, I, it's, it feels low rent. Do you know what I mean? mean? Yeah. They're trying to make the keyboard thin enough uh, to just kind of clip on. And I feel like, yeah, it would be better if they made it heavier and maybe bulkier, but maybe feel more solid. Yeah. Um, I think that would work because yeah, if you use it, like Lance uses his Surface Pro 3 almost all the time and he can type on it really well and and he loves it. It, Lance is funny. He's like the one person who goes to the Apple events with the freaking Surface. Um, (laughs) Whereas whereas most of the time you see nothing but MacBooks at all the um, Apple, at all the Microsoft events. That's actually how it's become. It's funny. You know, six, seven years ago, I I was at a a C-sharp sort of training thing that Microsoft was running, and I was the only one there, like, with my MacBook, and I was running a virtual machine, and and they're making fun of me for using a Mac at the, you know, Microsoft training, and I was like, that's fine, and now, like, going to Windows press events, everyone from the press there is using a Mac. Um, but Lance, because he beat, you know walks the beat of his own drummer, God bless him. He takes the Windows <laughs> machine to the um, Apple events, um, and God bless him for it, man. I think that's I awesome. I admire that. That's I great. do too. I mean, I think like you do, you Lance. I, I he he's awesome. But he, um, you know, he most of the time kind of has like his full size laptop and, and and keyboard and other stuff that he's using like day to day, and so. For him, he doesn't mind the 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 um, the, the, the touch uh, keyboard um, the for, for for the surface, but um, you know I, I'm with Bree that it, that it doesn't feel like a great design. I do think that I like the for a lot of people. I think that having the detachable thing is better, at least for me anyway, than the the yoga design. The yoga design looks really good, but then it feels weird on your lap if you've got it turned around and yeah. you're feeling yeah. the keys. Yeah. I don't I don't love that. I I, I don't love that at all. Um, but, it is super cool to be able to customize, I guess, the experience that you want to have with the machine. And when it comes to the apps, I'm curious, Bree, what, what what would you do to attract developers to work on the Surface? Well, I mean, that's that's Microsoft's really big problem right mm-hmm. now, right? I mean, you know, Apple has the sexy ecosystem. They have, um, I and more than that, they have this um, really great, you know, pay at the point where you use the machine, like, store setup. Uh, I, a story I tell a lot is, you know, people <laughs> tell me that, like, I wandered into game 
aggregate to get um, like sales for my game. And I'll tell you, like Apple featuring us at launch mattered a billion times more than being featured with the New York Times, going on CNN, MSNBC. Like the the point of sale system really matters for developers. Like you cannot yeah. like overestimate how valuable that is. So I think it's a very complex problem. I think like part of the problem is who's buying, you know. You know, Windows machines. It's like corporations. It's people. They're very price sensitive consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's enterprise deployments, and um, you know, I think we've talked about this in the past. I think the Hololens and Windows Ten could move it around. But I mean, the big problem I see with Windows is there's almost no one that's developing like sexy hardware that really competes with the MacBook. I'm sorry. Agreed. And it's, yeah, Sony was. Yeah. Sony they were. was. They were. They were. And they were. they've had to sell off that division. They're gone. And they're, exactly. So who else is there? There's Razer. Razer is doing it. I think, you know, Sony, no. I, I don't care how expensive the Samsung is. I think the trackpad sucks. <laughs> yeah, and the natives the, the are okay, but yeah, it's not a great experience. I mean, I've seen some, because uh, Ray, um, our, our product analyst, who does a lot of our reviews, he sits next to me, so I see a lot of his stuff that comes in. You know, um, there have been some um, okay-looking Dell things, but I mean, you know, I don't know. Dell's so toxic to me, I can't even with them. So I don't know. I think I think mm-hmm. Microsoft can turn it around, but I think that you cannot solve that equation without getting making consumer level hardware that the you know consumers are going to get yeah. excited about. And right. I don't see them doing that. Um, you know, I think we should move on. But Christina, something I thought was so fascinating that you're posting today on I think it was Facebook was looking at the stats of the Apple Watch. You yes. showed these four stats and the most fascinating thing about that i thought was looking at the consumer interest in the apple watch across income levels yes. it was completely flat mm. like it didn't matter yes. if you made under thirty thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year it was completely across the board yep. the same and yeah that speaks very well for a developer ecosystem yeah you know? yes it does I mean, that was that came from a, a Goldman Sachs uh, study that they did uh, that the um, that Bloomberg published, and um, yes, I thought that was super fascinating. That basically it was almost flat. I mean, there was a little bit of differentiation at two income points, but basically, if you're making unless you're making like under thirty five thousand dollars a year, I mean, it was a little bit lower. Um, but for most people. It was, as you said, whether you made over $100,000 a year or, you know, in, in, in the 30s, the interest was the same, which speaks very well, I think, to the wide, the wide uh, ranging appeal of the Apple Watch. That's a good thing. And like you said, mm-hmm. for developers, that's a good thing because they have people who are willing to buy those things. I think, to your point, Bree, when you look at who's buying Windows machines and when you're looking who these people are, the, the fact that enterprise and big deployments and business people are such a big part of the buying ecosystem, not not even to get into the whole price sensitive consumer thing is a real and I know we need to move on but it's it's a real problem for getting people to develop these like artists formerly known as Metro apps because they mm-hmm. don't need those designs for their enterprise software. They're mostly running legacy stuff and they're maybe using them as kind of glorified thin clients or they've got stuff based in, in their own web apps they're running. So they don't need to have any of this custom all their software is custom. So they don't need it they don't need an app store. Um, it's very different when, you know, you've got a, a wide range of consumers who are willing to pay for software. And Microsoft had a lot of built up goodwill and legacy, you know, for its Windows operating system. 
But that also comes into kind of technical debt too if you're trying to get people to move on to new paradigms because they're not, you know, they're they're just used to selling it their own way or having their own thing done and they're not necessarily going to adopt this this new standardized kind of interface approach which is where you know, Microsoft was trying to push things. Now they seem to be, to be less concerned with that. But, mm-hmm. you know, the future is certainly, if they're wanting to be more consumer focused, it's hard to get people to care, especially when you make the, the humongous misstep that they did with RT. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say one last thing here. I mean, the central, because <laughs> I, man, this is a great topic. But the central yeah. problem that Microsoft has is, let me tell you a story about the Unreal Engine. So Unreal 3 has been used forever, 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 yeah. forever. Unreal yeah. 3, like across the PS3 era, some of the most amazing games ever made were developed with the Unreal Engine. Version 3. And Unreal 3 uses uh, Unreal Script. And it use, uses C++ if you like fork over a check to Unreal for $30,000. <laughs> it uses this thing called uh, Kismet, which I have become an expert in. Like um, if you're talking about like mobile Unreal, I'm one of the people that knows more about it than anyone else in the world. And what Epic chose to do when Unreal 4 came out, they literally threw it away. Yeah, it's wow. it's built off the same base code, but there are all new paradigms. There's all new interface. From now on, like Unreal Script is deprecated. It's all C++. And um, like Kismet is deprecated and now it's Blueprint. And they really, truly started over in a way saying like, okay, we're making a new ground floor. Everyone can come in. Like, here's our new system. And it's better. It sucks for me so hard, and <laughs> it sucks. It like this is the reason un, uh, Revolution Sixty will probably never be on Android, but mm-hmm. it is a better system overall. This is a choice that Microsoft would never make in a million exactly. years because they Microsoft they desperately need to, but they're so entrenched th- entrenched with these enterprise people that need you know different APIs and things from like forever ago like windows 95 era yeah and the problem is that they are never going to be able to make a fresh start there yeah i hope i pray i'm rooting for them so hard they are rudy and like it just (laughs) wants to play for you know for notre dame and i'm rooting for them to come back for windows 10 and it looks like they're moving in the smartest direction possible but yeah. it's like when they talk about rebranding their you know, the Internet Explorer and they're going to give it some new name. I know that once you look under the hood, it's going to be Internet Explorer with a fresh coat of paint. <laughs> Which is um, actually okay. I, I would sure, say. I would sure. actually say because the Internet Explorer has gotten really good. Sure. Um, and, and its problem has been the name. And and I agree with you. It's ironic, though, that the one area where they really truly misstepped was that the one – where they were willing to kind of cut the legacy ties was was RT, and that was that was oh. that was cutting it the wrong way though. Yeah. Because Apple, at least when yeah. Apple moved, um, and and the we'll move on, I swear. But when they moved, um, you know, uh, a, a micro um, a microprocessor architectures, when they moved from uh, PowerPC to Intel, you know, Apple built a shim that would basically let people do a universal app so mm-hmm. that they could package their old PowerPC apps and they would still run on um, x86. They didn't necessarily run well, you know, and there might have been some issues, but you could get it done. And they introduced that in their API and they gave developers like a full like eight, nine months yep. before shipping the machines. Wow. And you could 
run your legacy programs there. You couldn't run your OS9 stuff, but they had this this this, this shim, Rosetta, it was called, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. which was actually mm-hmm. a genius name because, you know, it's the translator, Rosetta Stone. Yeah. And and so Ros- they, they did Rosetta, and Microsoft never did that. They care so much about legacy that they basically, when they had the opportunity to maybe move to ARM, they didn't bother to do what Apple did and basically ended up saying, well, screw ARM. We're not going to be able to be there because they can't because all their apps are there and no one came to the new platform. But I'm with you that I feel like if they really want to they're going to have to cut ties almost like sell yeah. sell expensive support for those enterprise customers that really need the the legacy stuff you know charge them for it charge them through the nose but for everybody else force them into the future bifurcate the it, product line you know exactly i mean if i were running microsoft i would get i would i would like make the most concerted effort john gruber was talking about this a while back i thought it was the most brilliant plan ever it was like hire the best designers in the entire world like go out there, really recruit and just have the secret team of like 200 people <laughs> and really create something that is simple and basic. Because like if you look at Windows Phone, that is a well-designed system. That is a great really, system. It is has no apps. But no it's a apps, great but it's brilliantly designed. And like just bifurcate the product lines. Like let enterprise have their thing, but like make something new and simple and exciting for consumers. And like, Throw support behind it because you're trying to. It's this no compromises mindset that they have that's just killing them. It's killing them, and it's like <laughs> it makes them do nothing particularly well. Yeah, burn down the house, build a new one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Or I'm don't feel, build a second house. Right. Keep the first house. Right, build just a have house. two houses. <laughs> they can afford it. <laughs> Microsoft, like, uh, we got to move on. We got to move on. Yeah, we do. This episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Hover, uh, which is a service to buy and manage domain names. Uh, It's super, super easy. I mean, we, when we were naming Pixelkin, like the struggle of naming, it took us days and days to come up with this name. And I'm sure lots of business owners have this experience where you get the name and then you're like, okay, you need to jump on that domain name right away. And Hover lets you easily search those domain names, find out what they cost, and just get it done, get it bought with no extra add-ons and hassle and all that stuff that other domain name sellers do. Uh, I just used Hover today to find some domains for Rocket. Um, I found some pretty great ones. Oh, my God. I Let's found see out, what you uh, got. Well, we could have rocket.church for <laughs> Nice. Rocket.com is, of course, taken because, oh. you know, some foolish people managed to get on that one before us. But we could also have Rocket.singles for the same price as Rocket.church. Ooh. And it, it has domain, you know, the regular domain uh, TLDs like .com, .org, et cetera, et cetera. But it also has a ton of, like, the really fun ones, um, like .church, .singles. Uh, Rocket.party, $24.99. Nice. But yeah, and .com domain names are actually uh, – Twelve ninety nine right now. Uh, they've recently lowered their prices on uh, over the over the over two hundred options for TLDs that they have, um, and these include who is privacy for free on all of them basically because yeah. you shouldn't have to pay to keep your information private. Hmm. No, I uh, yeah. I, I, I used Hover for uh, for FilmGirl.nyc, which I'm not doing anything nice. with. I'm not doing anything with it. So. Actually, that's a, a reader suggestion I'm going to put out. What should I put on filmgirl.nyc? Send your suggestions um, to me on Twitter um, and uh, let me know what I should what I should do with filmgirl.nyc, which I purchased through Rock, uh, through Hover. <laughs> <laughs> we did not sell you your domain. No, you did not. Hover you, you sold not. it. You, Hover, Hover did. Hover did. Indeed, they did. 
Uh, I also found Pixelkin.rocks, which nice. not rocket related, but it was seven dollars and thirty seven cents. You had and, to buy it. Uh, yeah, I might. I, I, I think yeah, you have to. I think I might have to because Pixelkin does rock. I it know does. this because I'm there every day. I'm there right now. But yeah, uh, Hover also has customer support, uh, live person talking to actual real people customer support, but they also have a lot of online resources as well if you don't want to make the phone call. So, uh, and we actually have a code that you can use to get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com if you want to buy, you can't buy pixelkin.rocks, that's going to be mine. But um, also don't buy rocket.singles.com or rocket.singles because that's uh, a little creepy. But um, if you use the code left shark. You can yes. get ten percent off your domain oh name purchase. Oh my god, that is yeah. awesome! Yeah. Left Shark, it's Left you guys. Shark. It's amazing. They did it. Um, can, they can know I, their stuff. Can I just can I buy Rocket.Singles and just put up your 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 Tinder profile, Simone? <laughs> oh my god, please do! Oh my god, that's actually the best use of that that domain. Yeah, please. Since I am the Rocket.Single, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Rocket.Taken is available. I didn't hmm. see that one. There are I'll have to a lot find it. of dot domains I've never heard of. This is yeah. like dot church. Yeah. Dot we could be a religion, you guys. Oh my god, the religion of rocket. The religion. Yeah. What, we're gonna go up against Scientology. We going should clear, that. guys. Yeah. Going clear. Except it should be uh. going eloquent. <laughs> no rocket well rocket.fail is also available they have a bunch of on the search they have a bunch of categories like there's personal there's professional lifestyle rocket. Um, lifestyle vodka. relationships is where i found what rocket.vodka yes there's a dot yes. vodka that is amazing sorry i didn't know there was a dot vodka but that rocket.wtf yes i have christina.wtf oh yeah you told us that yeah, yeah. There, there's also Rocket. I'm not sure it's in the descriptive category. It's .rip. I'm not sure if that's rest in peace or rip, as in, like, rip. letter rip. But uh, that's there. And it's $16, which is pretty cool. Anyway, thank you to Hover for sponsoring this episode of Rocket. We super-duper appreciate it. And thanks for the awesome code Left Shark because never Amazing. let Left Shark die. Shark. I want Rocket.LeftShark. Whenever someone shows up in my Twitter timeline and they have Left Shark as their avatar, I make a special effort to follow them and interact with them. <laughs> I do. I'm like, same. I'm like, we're we're the same. <laughs> so, on a spiritual level, we connect. Yeah. Can I tell you guys? Before we did this, we are um, we're going to change the name of Giant Space Cap this year. Uh, I don't want to say what we're going to change the name to, but um, mm-hmm. you know, basically, it's like having. Yeah, we want to like separate the 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 company from the founder. So I think mm. like the name Space Cat is so associated with me. You know, we want it to be more about you know the business. So I was actually yeah. uh, I was using Hover right before then, and they they work with another subservice to get a .com domain for a common word. So I just put down a, a bid, and I'm going to see if we're able to get that. So I will Sweet. tell you guys if that goes through. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's freaking awesome. Yep. All right. Do we do we have time for our third topic? Yeah, you've been waiting on this forever, Simone. This is your topic. You gotta, this you gotta, you gotta. Talk. It's true. This this week, I forced my my co not force. We were excited right. to do yeah. it. I offered Happy. the the option to watch an episode of Haikyuu, which is an anime about volleyball. 
Uh, I chose a specific episode, and I'll explain why I chose it. But basically, Haikyuu is a show about a volleyball team that used to be really great, and they've been in a slump for a while. And this is kind of like the year that they're having their comeback. A lot of first years of freshmen in high school came in, and they're kind of rejuvenating the team. But the episode that I chose is one, it's episode 16. It happens towards the end of the first season. And it's the very, very first day of the inter-high tournament, which is a huge deal. And this episode I really love because you go into this episode having gone through all this stuff with this one team, Karasuno, and you know that they're going to win their first match because you know who the big bad is. You know that this team is awesome. Obviously, they're going to get further than their first game in the inter-high. So as a viewer, you go into this knowing the outcome. And what this episode does, which is just so cool, is it takes that and turns it around and puts the whole first half of the episode from the point of view of their opponents, who are this kind of, they're not a, not a really strong team. They're not a team we've ever seen before. One of them used to be in a middle school team with one of the main characters, but we've never met him before. And it just kind of puts you in the shoes of the people that you know are going to lose this match. And it's, oh, it's so good, you guys. Um, but I really love this because it kind of, not only is it as a narrative tactic, like it shows you what these characters, these main characters look like to all the other people in the show. Like it, it shows you how strong they really are um, from an outside perspective. But then it also shows you like how every other character matters, even if they're not the main characters of the show because they're all you know they're all high school students and for a lot of these high school students it's their last year and they're not going to get another chance in this tournament and oh my god this episode I, I actually rewatched it right before I linked it to you guys just to make sure it was good and <laughs> I was bawling <laughs> on the couch my roommate was like doing homework and he looked up and I was crying and then he started crying and we're both like oh, this show is so good but yeah and I it just um this episode kind of encapsulates for me this idea that um well, this kind of nostalgia that I really associate with high school, this idea after the team has lost the match that they realize, you know, it's their third year in high school. They're not going to get another chance at this. And it just portrays so beautifully this moment when you realize how important something was to you that maybe you didn't quite appreciate how precious it was before that moment. Hmm. But then it's already over. And that's just I, what I really love about this episode is it kind of taps into that. I, I guess millennials that they call us kind of the nostalgia generation i don't know if this is true for everyone but i certainly have a lot of nostalgia yeah for sure for me i mean looking back at high school i would never ever ever want to relive that but there's still this idea i look back on it and i think like the characters in this episode do you know what could i have done better how could i have been a better person how could i have been a better friend and i think the message that i really took away from this episode was you know It doesn't really matter if you tried your hardest or didn't try your hardest because the ending is still going to hurt when it comes. And I I think it's just a matter of what your regrets are and, you know, how you handle that. So this episode, very special to me. What did you guys think of the show, having come into it without ever seeing an episode of IQ before? So now I I get way more of it. So... I have to say, like, watching it, I liked the episode, and I got a lot of the same things out of it that you did, but the the narrative switch, I didn't understand that that was who it was. So at first, when I was watching it, I figured that we were supposed to be rooting for the underdog team. Right. I figured they were – I, I <laughs> thought that they were, like, the main focus of the show. And and then, and then you know, they lose, and I'm like, this is okay. 
Um, but, but it was still interesting. But I was like, have we been following them this whole time? So I didn't realize until you said this that they weren't the focus. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the other, the other team, the team that won was now, now the whole thing makes tremendously more sense. So I'm, I'm far less confused, but, um, I, I actually did. It was funny. You, you, what, what you're calling out because I thought that was, there was a, one of the lines that it, they were kind of juxtaposing two teams, the boys team, and the girls team. And they're both thinking, you know, like I, I kept keep thinking, you know, I could, I should have gone harder. I, I could have mm-hmm. done this. I should have trained more, should have done something else because then I could still play volleyball, you know, yeah. one more time. And you're right. It does. It is kind of a, a thing in, in high school. I mean, I, I you know, I th- you think of a show like Friday Night Lights or, or other like kind of like more yeah, traditional sports yeah. dramas. And yeah, you kind of get that sense where it's like the, the person's last game and like especially with something like high school football which I think for American audiences is, you know, a little bit more um, accessible maybe than, than volleyball. Not to say that it's not as, as the volleyball does – anime volleyball is not awesome because I was actually very entertained. But, um, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where a lot of times with high school sports, I guess is what I'm saying in general, is that a lot of people – their last high school game of those things, it won't be the last time they ever do anything like that. They're not going to go and play in college. They're not going to be professional players. So it is like your last time in that environment. And like I think about, you know, my last Model UN tournament or my last like mock trial tournament or whatever because I was clearly very athletic. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, like – and yeah, you think about those sorts of things where even if you do well – you're like, this will be the last time I'm with these people doing this. And maybe it's the last time I'll be playing this this game competitively this way. You know, maybe you can do intramurals as an adult. But for a lot of people, like, once that time is over, it's over. And that's – um yeah, that that totally came through. It was a really good episode, I I have to say. Now I understand the characters a lot more. I kind of I, – I felt like Crunchyroll was a pain in the ass. Oh, my God. Yeah, Crunchyroll. Ugh. I, I have, like, a 20-minute rant about Crunchyroll. <laughs> Seriously. No, I... I wanted you guys to watch it legally. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. No, I had no problem watching it legally, but I think that they give you such a terrible experience just to force you to pay is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. That That is the reason I have a Crunchyroll premium subscription because I was watching a bunch of shows. Haikyuu was one of them. And I had to sit through uh, – sometimes I would play the same ad three times yes. in the same ad break. And that drove me insane. I was going mad. And my roommate was looking at me like, Simone, are you going to pay for Just it? Pay the $8. Are you going to pay for Just it? pay the $8. Just – yep, yep. Pay it. Pay them the money. <laughs> For me, what it did halfway through the episode, so one of the ads happens, it then moved me to the next episode. So I was like what? 16 minutes in, and then all of a sudden the episode is over, and I'm watching another episode. And I'm like, are you, okay? I'm like, wait a minute, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> and and, and but, but where it ended in the break, it could have conceivably been like, I was like, well, was that it? What, what happened? So then I go yeah. back to the previous episode, and I've got to watch like five ads, the same ones all yeah. over again. The 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 same. Um, uh, jet blue ad like 15 times you're bringing back like war flashbacks because i remember like oh god just like sometimes closing the full screen would trigger ads for me which was a pain in the butt i'm oh. so glad i paid for it because <laughs> it, it no. is it is a really cool service it does allow you to like watch anime as it, cool sometimes service. as it's airing in japan which is awesome and you get to support you know the people who make it which i totally dig but yeah um it's a pain in the butt for free users for me so. it kept playing and i want to talk at the show i'll talk about the show at some point but it kept playing <laughs> do you know the thing where you got pop up it will start 
and you're like trying to watch a video and like the audio of the pop-up like keeps playing and you're like you're searching everywhere to keep like mm. figure out how to <laughs> shut it down and for starters okay i will avoid flash like it's the freaking cordelia virus from 24 okay <laughs> yeah, like basically. like i hate flash and in fact i keep it out of safari because it's it's crap Same. it's bloatware it kills your battery and um like i will go over to chrome and use it and like it's telling me flash is out of date blah 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 and like <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get it to go and it keeps playing this stupid eminem ad over and over and over and i keep, oh my I keep God. like i'm trying to watch the this the show and like you know it's like all of a sudden like this eminem ad comes on it's like doing these exact opposite of it we're making me associate m&ms with hate and anger and like i've never wanted m&ms less. i thought you were talking about m&m the rapper no 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 so that is like playing and then it's like the ads and this is what is so funny to me that the ad i'm getting it's like they'll play it like three times in a row for each commercial break and it's like and the ad is saying like hey aren't you tired of being like um treated like crap uh for the airlines come use yes. our service and yes, like JetBlue. we'll yes. go do this right <sighs> so i love JetBlue, but like the, the people that are watching Crunchyroll and won't pay eight dollars a month and will like sit through this horrible <laughs> ad experience <laughs> is not the same people they're gonna go like you know what? I don't want flying to suck. I will just spend $50 more out of the gate and just have a better day. <laughs> and just have a better day. I am willing to pay $50 to not have my day suck. Like, these are not compatible There's, markets. These are not your people. So, right. no. so other than that, like, um. I, I agree with everything, uh, you know, Christina said about the show. What I kept thinking as I was watching it is anime is awesome it's a great way to tell a story and it's like they they always capture like the biggest moment of of human emotion like you know that moment before someone's about to fail and like that that shot of Mm -hmm. their face and the terror in it and it's like baseball season started i'm married to the tea party version of a yankees fan and i watch a (laughs) lot of yankees like uh games and i was thinking how much more i would be into the yankees if like it was shot like anime like a rod is about to strike yeah. out and he's yeah. just like oh it's like you had like some quiet moment with a-rod like regretting all the drugs he took like to, they need to know. put a-rod's thoughts up on right. the big screen so right. you can see what he's what he's thinking in exactly the moment. Well, and, 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 and then uh you know some the guy from the other team comes up to him and is like just win, just win. <laughs> God, I bawled like a baby. I'm very fragile when it comes to these kind of slice of life shows. Uh, Haikyuu for me balances really well sports with slice of life and just character exploration. And I I love it because sometimes I'm just so tired of drama and life. I want to watch something that... Where no one's life is in danger, everyone is just trying to have a good time and play volleyball, but then somehow that drama becomes so compelling, because I think it's something that we can identify with, like we were talking about with the nostalgia, like we all have those tensions between friends, we all have that want to win at something that we love and we're good at, and I love that it takes that drama and just makes me cry every (laughs) every time I watch it. How did you mm. how did you get into sports anime? Yeah, yeah. I, it was an a sheer accident actually. Okay, actually no, this is a funny story. I I have a friend who posted a link to a music video for Kuro Boss that was set to a Macklemore song. 
And I watched this, and Kurobas is the basketball anime, the magical basketball anime, which I almost showed you guys. And then my roommate was like, do you really want to do this to them? And I was like, no, you're right. I don't want to do this to them. So I watched this music video or this AMV, and I was like, holy crap, this show's amazing. I'm going to watch it. And Kurobas is basically like quicksand where you're you're dipping in. And you're like, ah, oh, this is fine, I guess. It's it's okay. It's interesting. And then suddenly you're up to your neck and you can never, ever leave basketball hell. And <laughs> I love this show to death, but I, I, I could not show you an episode from the middle of it because you would be like, what? What is going on? Why are they controlling the air? Why why is he flying across the court? Uh, what what are you watching, Simone? And then you would judge me. But that's fine. And then Haikyuu is on the more realist end of that spectrum. Um, I kind of rate sports anime on one of those four-point chart, you know, like degrees of realism to non-realism and then degrees of sports to slice of life. And Haikyuu is a really nice... Um, it's the middle of that really well, so that's how I got into sports anime. So, so we can thank uh, we can thank uh, Macklemore um, from Seattle for for getting me into this. Thank you, thank thank for thank you, Macklemore. My life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Would you guys be interested in watching more of it? Not like for this show, but like in in general. If if there were no ads, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I think I have to pay for. I think I have to pay for the Crunchyroll Premium stuff. But totally, I was actually thinking that I was like, this was actually really cute. This was like good. Yeah. And if I felt, I felt like if I knew the characters more, um, I would have had like even better experience. But I enjoyed it. I was like, no, this was solid. So I'm really yeah. glad we watched this because you've been talking about how much you enjoy this stuff and. I, I feel like I know you better now, which is yeah. awesome. Thank you. That's what's I, so awesome. When I'm you, so like, glad. Watch something that someone's super passionate about, and you feel like you get to know them better by, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That's fun. I like sharing passions. All right, should we wrap it up? Yep. All right, so Brianna, what are you doing this week? Uh, writing. 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 Cool. Developing. Cool beans. Developing. Writing. Cool. Christina, what yeah. are you up to? Uh, CinemaCon. Uh, planning for that. Oh yeah. Durr. All right. I will say this. I have so you guys have followed the Hugo controversy, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm a guest of honor at a convention next weekend with like all of them there alongside <laughs> me. That's amazing. <laughs> that is oh awesome. goodness. Oh, that's, oh, that's gonna that's... be that's gonna be fantastic. Meerkat periscope that please. Right. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, uh, we're we're talking about putting together a panel where we talk about the <gasps> the hijacking of the Hugo. So, oh my Amazing. god! Please let us know how that goes. Uh, and, seriously, yeah, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, actually, I'm, you can find me on Space Cat Gal, but I will have an interesting story about this subject next week. So, all right, all right. And Christina, what about you? Uh, I'm film underscore girl on the Twitters. The Twitters. And I am rocket.singles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Doom Quasar on Twitter and at pixelkin.org. Yeah, thank you for joining us. 